Welcome to Stagger University. Welcome into Stagger University, NASCAR 101, Part 2. My name is J.D. Smith, along with my brother Derek Smith, who will be here momentarily. We host the Stagger Podcast, which, of course, you probably know about because you found this podcast. But this episode's a little different than what we usually do. We usually talk about the current races that are happening, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar. We like to focus on those, but we also love all other forms of, you know, four-wheel circuit-based racing that are in the U.S., so sports cars and dirt tracks. We love that stuff, too. We have a ton of love for cars going around a circuit really, really fast and making loud noises. So that's your thing. You found your community. Come be a part of Stagger Podcast. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Stagger Podcast. We hope with this episode we can answer some questions for people who might be new to watching NASCAR. That's why we call it NASCAR 101. But I don't want you to think that this is something that is just for the novice racing fan. If you're someone who maybe has watched a lot of IndyCar, but you never really watched NASCAR that much, this might be helpful to you. Some of this stuff you'll probably know, but some of it might be information you didn't have. We also hope that if you're a longtime NASCAR fan, maybe you just heard terms that you didn't really understand, or maybe you never really understood why people get so worked up about certain things in the sport. We hope there's a little bit in there for you as well. For example, our podcast, Stagger, is a racing term. We talk about Stagger in this podcast. So if you've never known why we call the podcast Stagger, well, you can find out when you listen to this episode. One last thing I would throw in here, if you are enjoying this podcast, I guess it's two things. One thing you can do that would really help us out is to leave a review and a rating over at the Apple Podcast app. Hopefully it's a five-star rating. Hopefully it's a nice review. Uh, but if that that'll help us get more people to find this podcast and then we can have a bigger community of people next time we get together at a racetrack and hopefully hang out and have some fun. The other thing, though, is if you have relatives or friends who kind of give you a lot of crap for watching NASCAR and you've tried to get them to maybe understand it, if they ever take you up on that offer and they come at you with a bunch of questions, feel free to, you know, tell them about this episode and the first one, too. Uh, and, and maybe that'll help with some of the questions that they have. So we're happy to help as always. Hit us up on Twitter at Stagger Podcast. And a big shout out to our guy, Bernard Pollard, Super Bowl champion, who kind of inspired these episodes because he had so many great questions as he was getting into the sport. So thank you, Bernard, for giving us the inspiration to do this. All right. That's enough from me. Now here's more of me. Take it away, us. On a typical race weekend, you know, like I said, not currently what's going on with coronavirus, but on typical race weekend, drivers will practice before they even go out. Like they will get on the track and practice and then they will go qualify and then they will practice again. They might practice another time, Mm -hmm. but all this happens before Sunday. So when you tune into like the Daytona 500, just know those guys have been running those cars and and with the Daytona 500, they've been doing it even more than normal. They've been in that car on that track probably for at least 100 laps, oh, maybe yeah. more. Well, and then if you add in the virtual laps they've done on the, on the simulator for Chevy or Toyota or Ford, simulators that are on rigs that move, that shake when you hit off, get off into the uh, rumble strips on a road course or anything like that. So these guys have con- gone in and, and logged a lot of laps like William Byron. Famous for getting in the sim and spending hours upon hours on doing that. Uh, but once they hit the track, you know, the, the conditions change. There could be three different series there. A lot of rubber on the track or it could have rained out the night before. So it's always good to get data for your car in a real life situation. Yeah. If you're wondering, like, what do they have to practice? It's turning left. They're going in circles. And that that's fair. 
But the the thing that they do have to practice, like you said, is they're 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 trying to figure out the best setup for their car. And not to get too technical on all that, but these guys will come in and tell you know the guy who is the crew chief, who's kind of the head of the team. He's like their coach, more or less. But he also has technical background usually, or he has someone who works with him who is very technical that he can then relay that info to and say, you know, when I get into turn three, the car's not doing the thing I think it should be, or it doesn't feel comfortable, or I need something. And then their job as mechanics and engineers is to look at that and say, okay, well, he wants the car to do this. How do we mechanically change something? Do Or do we do that with, you know, tire pressure? Do we change something with the, the springs or the shocks on the car, the suspension? There's all kinds of things they can tweak on these cars. And so that's what they are doing in practice. And then they will, they will kind of change it up a little bit from qualifying to the race. So you will hear a car being in qualifying trim and then race trim. And all that means is that they might've made it a little quicker for qualifying, but they know that that setup won't really hold up over the course of a 500 mile race. So then they might detune it a little bit for the actual race to make it a little more solid and stand up and not wear the tires out as quickly. So they will work on these cars kind of all weekend. They will even make adjustments, you know, during the race, more on that in a second. Um, but yeah, so qualifying practice that usually happens Friday and or Saturday, Sunday, there's no practice. Typically there's nothing like that. The crews will all push the cars out. They don't drive them out there. They don't want any miles on the engine. They want everything to be pristine and, and rested and ready to go. So they get it all out there. You may see a bunch of like things hooked up to the engine, mm-hmm. um, or like little vents or air hoses or not air hoses, they're water hoses. There's all kinds of stuff they hook up to these cars just to keep the engine kind of cool even if it's a hot day out, just because they don't want to put... I mean, that's how much they take kind of seriously on that. Yeah. But uh, the drivers will then, they'll get introduced, you know, depending on the race. And they got to roll through tech. Oh, yeah, yeah. we forgot about yeah. tech. You got you to gotta roll through tech. So you may see pictures of cars with giant white dots on the windshield or some other contraptions attached to the cars. This is where they're going through now. What they do is a laser inspection. But it used to be there was a... a a metal template for the car that they would hold on top of it to make sure the body was not out of shape, was not illegally massaged for aerodynamics. Uh, they would check everything on these cars. And what we'll do is we're going to tweet and put a, a picture out on Instagram of Dale Earnhardt Sr. Just to show you the difference in, in tech. They used to have guys put their hands on it, like JD was saying. And and what will happen is Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Sr., there's an infamous photo of him talking to an official with his toe flexed up holding up the front left uh front driver's side fender of his car so that it would pass tech (laughs) and if you think about that he was called the intimidator and he would basically intimidate anybody he wanted to but also he was a really nice guy to people that were his friends and he would just you know wink at you smile and your heart would kind of melt a little bit and then you'd You'd wonder, whoa, did he just, what did he get past me? And that's what happened here in this mm-hmm. tech situation. He would just be buddy-buddy and, hey, Earnhardt likes me. Next thing you know, he's faster on the track and you see this picture. And it's uh, it's quite hilarious where his foot's at. And, yeah, we'll put it on social media for you guys to see. And Yeah, Dale Earnhardt Sr. had his way, for sure. And we'll sometime, <laughs> maybe sometime in the future, we'll do one of these on just Dale Earnhardt or, or Richard Petty or somebody like that. So we have got the cars are all through tech. They come out. They're all proved. If, if you mess up in the tech, what's the penalty? Well, they will take you through tech and say your car didn't pass. So they, the crew will have to take it back, try to fix it, get it to, to make tech and, and pass the technical inspection. If it 
what is it like? I think it's two times you get penalized. If you if you go through like three or four times, they will suspend your crew chief for car, multiple car, car chief lots of times or but. car chief. Okay, yeah, they'll they'll suspend someone important on your race team mm-hmm. for. Well, didn't Chris Gebhardt? Oh, oh yeah, for from Denny Hamlin infra- for major infractions, uh, they can suspend your crew chief for multiple he got races. Su- Chris Gebhardt is the well at the time we're recording this the crew chief for Denny Hamlin, and he's one of the best crew chiefs in the business. And they lost him for four races. Mm-hmm. He got suspended. So. That's that's the penalty that can happen. So they want these cars to be as even as possible going into the race to try not to give anybody an unfair advantage. They want it to be about the drivers as much as possible. So once cars are out on pit road, you know, they do the pre-race festivities. The part you're probably familiar with is where you see them. They'll you know play the national anthem or sing the national anthem. And then you get the most famous words in motorsports. What is it, Derek? I believe it is drivers start your engines. That's right. So the cars are started. You have heard the signal, drivers start your engines. Uh, you'll see them roll out behind what's called the pace car, and that is pretty self-explanatory. It's setting the pace for the caution laps, the, the laps before the race, the laps during the race that are run under caution. They have a speed limit that that car will not go over. The other cars behind it, all the actual race cars, cannot pass it. They, they are supposed to maintain that speed. The pace car's job at most tracks is never going to come into play. They're going to be out there in front, and then you will see them do these laps where they're kind of getting the cars warmed up. They're getting the en- engines up to temperature. And, they, I mean, literally, they're called parade laps. Part of it is just to say, hey, fans, figure out where your car is. You know, figure out where your driver is. If you didn't look at anything and you don't know where your guy qualified, you can find out now. You can kind of get an idea of how the field looks and who's where. And and we talk about the pre-race. This is the only sport where you show up on Thursday for a race on Sunday. Well, the only thing that's close to is college football. College that's football a, has, yeah, a, has a It is has very big, much like that. Yeah, yeah so if you, have a, if you have a 7 p.m. national national televised kickoff game, Alabama versus Ohio State, whoever, you're going to have people there at 8 a.m., 6 a.m., drinking and getting ready for the game. That's That happens with NASCAR. So you're going to have people staggering in uh, to the... To, hey, what hey, do we get the name to, of the podcast? To hey. their seats, and they're going to look around and go, hey, where's Bubba Wallace, or hey, where's Corey LaJoy, or hey, where's Kevin Harvick? And they're going to find their driver, sit back, and go, all right, cool. We got a big road ahead of us, or cool, we're sitting there. Uh, he's he's fifth or 10th. Oh, that's right, top 10 qualifying. Yeah, right. So, so it, you're going to know. It's an easy way to get familiarized, and uh, that is a good time right now to drop off and talk about. If you go to a race, there's a thing called a scanner. Mm. You can rent them at the track. You can actually listen to the radio communications for any race car team that is there that weekend. So you can get it for, if you get there on Friday and there's a truck race, Saturday there's an Xfinity race, Sunday there's a, na- a cup race. It's like 30 bucks. You rent it. They program all that in for you. And literally you type in the number of the car you're looking at. You don't have to know anybody's name. You can just be watching the truck series and say, oh, hey, that's truck 34. Boop, boop. You hit 34 and enter and it'll take you and it'll tell you his name on the, on the thing, his or her name, whoever's driving. And then you can listen to the driver in the car saying, car's loose or man this guy needs to get the hell out of the way or i gotta come into the pits because you know something's not right you can hear all that and then you can hear the crew chief tell him no you have to stay out and then you can hear him say like well f you i'm and then they fight and then you get to hear all of it it's great and And so you you can do that all weekend if you rent one of those scanners yeah and and high atop from where you're sitting no matter if you got the top row seat which in nascar top row is usually the better those are more expensive those are more expensive seats than the front row because you can see more of the track 
um, you're going to have someone sitting up above you near the start finish line in most instances, and they're going to be the guys called the spotters. They're on that channel as well. Yep. So they will, if you ever played a racing game and you hear that voice going, go low, go low, you've got clear low, you've got a car high. But if you listen to anybody that's spotted or listen to like Talladega, Daytona, even places like Pocono road courses, you can tell when you don't have a good spotter. If you were at an NFL game, and you see all the headsets that all the coaches have, mm. and they're calling the plays. Imagine if you could pay twenty or thirty bucks and just listen to that. Listen to whatever's going on. You could listen for to like, them, you know, scream the f word at someone for not making a play, or, or yeah. you know, you could hear them arguing about what they should do on a fourth down and one in the late in the game. You can hear that same kind of stuff on a NASCAR uh, scanner because you can hear them saying, "All right, it's twenty to go. We just caught a caution." Should we come in or should we stay out? Because if we come into pit, we might lose our track position. But if we stay out, we're going to be on older tires and the guys behind us might be able to pass us. So they'll work all that out while they're doing those parade laps, those pace laps uh, under caution. And so that's why I think it's a good time to talk about scanners when you talk about the pace car and the, mm. the pace laps. Because you will even see people, they might take their headsets off. And then when the pace, when the, like caution flag comes out, People put their headsets on because they're and they'll go find their driver because they're like, what are we going to do? What's happening? Or, or you can even go listen to NASCAR's channel if you're not re really sure why they threw a caution flag. Mm -hmm. You can flip it over to the radio and you can hear what the NASCAR people are saying on the, you know, like on the official channel. Mm -hmm. You can hear what the radio broadcast is saying so they can maybe explain it for you. So, yeah, yeah Scanner it, is a good, probably the best 20 or 30 bucks you'll spend at a racetrack if you absolutely. go and do that. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's almost like, a a uh, what, what do you call it an in progress no video um other than what you're seeing with your eyes nfl films so if you love it nfl is. films yeah. or hard knocks sure if you right. like the behind the scenes stuff you can kind of see it as it's playing out in front of you in real time and even it's so real time that nascar monitors what the other uh, uh competitors are saying on their channel so if they're like hey i just hit debris in turn two the nascar's got people that are watching just turn two with their own eyes and binoculars yeah. Uh, near the and track and they're they looking find it hey yeah it's, it's just a piece of a it's a piece of a tire it's off the racing service no yellow no yellow and they'll they'll communicate that but mm -hmm. guys that are trying to get a caution for they're running out of fuel <laughs> need tires they might be oh like, yeah you, oh man it's raining in turn two. Oh gosh the humanity yeah there's oil on the track i'm about to wreck every lap and then you're and then the other guys are there's no one chattering that too. The guy in second and third, are like it's dry as can be. Yeah. We're good because they don't want it to stop. <laughs> they, they don't want. They, or, yeah, they, they want to they don't make sure they can pass get, them. Yeah, they don't so. want the race to get canceled. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's a very fun little thing. So oh, all sorts of I, gamesmanship. And if you really want to get nerdy, like I have, you can go buy a scanner. And then what that does is it gives you the justification for it. Well, you know, I got to go to this race because I spent all this money on the scanner. I got to make the money back. Yeah. If you do end up buying one, what's the benefit of that? Because you're, I know this is a NASCAR 101 episode, but we're also fans of a, a lot of other motorsports. Can you use that same scanner at an IndyCar race? You can. Can you use it at an IMSA race? You can. Can you really nerd out and go to a local dirt track and hear the two, the two guys that are on the race officials channel at local speedways? You can. That's you just have, really, you have, you have to, to know, the you have to get the frequency and it's a pain to kind of punch it all in. It, but if you go to like, if, for example, if you were to take it to another race, go to up to, you know, one of those booths at, they have them at IndyCar races, they have them at IMSA races, and you can just take your scanner up and say, hey, can you program this? And they usually charge you five bucks or something. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll program it in all for you. So then you just hit, you know, whatever number and you can kind of find the driver and there you go. Um, but if you didn't want to do that, yes, you could type in 
or whatever the frequency is. I mean, that's how long they are. And then you could punch that in and then type in the driver's name and do that for every driver in the field. But obviously it's way easier to let them plug it in in just a couple minutes. It programs the whole thing for you. Nice. There you go. We talked about the pace car. You might ask, why are the drivers weaving back and forth behind the pace car? That's a very interesting question. And the answer is a little complicated, but for most guys, the simplest reason you could say is because they're trying to get their tires to be as functional as possible before the race starts. Racing tires, you do not want to have cold, what they'll call cold tires. Now, obviously, they're not ice cold, but you don't want tires that are at like the regular driving temperature, as little as you can avoid. You want the tires to be heated up and to have some some friction right. build up in them because they're the rubber's a little softer it's a little tackier what you don't want to have is when you go to drop the clutch banging in the first gear on the restart and your tires start spinning remember these cars have 700 horsepower all of the power goes to the rear wheels they are not four-wheel drive they are just rear wheel drive stock cars and if your tires are not properly warmed up and cleaned off then you don't have as much traction and you can spin the tires. So all the cars behind you will either slow down or worse, they'll hit you. Yeah. <laughs> and they might hit you and in, in get your tires going and maybe you can actually get going again. Yeah. But typically you don't want that because you don't want you don't want tire spin. You don't want wheel spin on that. So that's why you see those guys weaving back and forth. They are trying to get the tires warmed up. And you'll hear them if you watch the in-car cameras as they're weaving. You'll hear every time they kind of weave, they'll they'll burp the throttle a little bit, give it a little, you know, as they're doing it, just to make sure those back wheels are, you know, kind of engaging right. a little bit more. Right. And, and also to imagine yourself being on a really like, like a natural grass surface field and you're running, you're running, uh, against a race, a sprint, you know, and you're about to go one, two, three, you know, go or whatever the gun goes off. He isn't, he or she is in cleats and you are on tennis shoes yeah. and it's just rained. That's basically the difference between a, a, you know tires that have heat in them, have grip in them. And when you go to spin the tires, you'll see the guy in third or fourth place or if someone stays out, you know, why are they getting two tires? Why are they taking four tires? This guy stayed out, made 20 spots and made took no tires. If he can't get if he can't get his tires up to uh, up to temp and and scrub them off and get a grip on that restart zone when they shoot through that, you're going to see an accordion effect where it stacks up 15 guys behind him, there's a wreck four rows back or five rows back. And that's why there's a phrase that's famous cautions breed cautions yeah. because of that very reason you stack everybody up together and uh, chaos can ensue. The next thing you're going to see after a pace lapse is the green flag, you know, and, and you will hear if you're listening to a scanner or a spotter, you hear them all say green, green, green. As soon get as the flag ready, comes out, get ready, go, 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 green, green, green. Yeah. So yeah. they, they're, they're watching that for the drivers. So the drivers almost aren't even looking at it as much as they're watching the car in front of them. They're listening for the cue from their spotter and they're trying to get through the gears. And cause these, these cars for what it's worth, they're not automatics. They are all manual, uh, four speed transmissions. And so they are trying to get through the gears with a clutch. You know, this is an old, timey kind of way there's no paddle shifting i mean it's a you know it's still a, a a vehicle that you have to actually drive which i i kind of like the old school aspect of nascar in that way so uh but the green flag's not the only flag they wave um there will be we talked about a yellow flag that's obviously a caution flag most people are familiar with that that could be for debris or wreck or any other reason they have competition cautions mm -hmm. which they will wave the yellow flag for that what that is is sometimes if they don't let's say practices get rained out or in the case of where we currently are, 
where the teams aren't getting any practice mm -hmm. because of tire wear and other things that can go wrong with a car they want to give these race teams time to check everything and to see how their cars did after running maybe 20 laps or 15 laps or 30 laps depending on how big the track is so they will nascar would just say hey everybody know at lap 20 we're going to wave caution flag and then you can come in and you can check your tire wear and then that gives them a kind of a gauge for the rest of the day where they can say okay we thought the tires would last about 40 45 laps but it's 20 laps in and these things are almost burned up we we need to change our setup we need to take some air pressure out we need to do something to make it so the tires don't wear as quickly so it's a caution to allow for the teams to all be competitive as opposed right. to having one team that just gets the setup right and they're gone and everybody else is just like oh man well we yeah. missed it if they don't have a lot of practice time that weekend you will see a competition caution generally put in it's just a way of saying we're not sure how this is going to go so let, let's make sure no one gets you know in an unsafe car let's make sure no one gets out by 20 seconds to lap the field and we don't have a fun race yeah let's have a competition caution to lap 20 and that'll bunch everybody back up but everybody can make changes to their car and you can kind of go from there. Yeah. So and that's what they would do. Quickly, it could be a safety thing too. So when you drive through a corner, turn left at high speed, all the load of your car goes to a right front. So if your right front's running a low pressure, yeah. the right when, side when of the we car. Say right, when we say right front, we are talking driver position. So yeah. passenger side front, passenger if this was front, a regular yeah. car, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. so the right front tire, if it's at a low, t if it's at a low air pressure and you're at a, a track like in Indianapolis where you're going, you know, or Pocono where you're going down thousands of feet of uh, backstretch and you're diving into a corner with under heavy braking, at, you know, potentially, or at least, you know, rolling off uh, the, the, the throttle and, and lean into it. All that force can go on and pop that right front. And then the driver's along for a ride. There's no brakes that are going to stop you from hitting the wall. Yeah. They're going to make sure that there's the ability for them to check the tires. If you lower the air pressure in the tire, it gives it the ability to build up some extra air and have a little bit of, of, uh, more grip potentially, but mm -hmm. there's also a factor for it to potentially pop. There's there's so much, yeah, not to nerd out on tire pressure, but this podcast is literally called Stagger. That is something that is done in a NASCAR with air pressure. Uh, stagger means that your two tires, one of them may be slightly bigger, usually on the right side, the passenger side of the car. Cars turn left. If you think of like a solo cup, how it's tapered, you know, the bottom is smaller than the top set that on its side and just push it it's going to roll around in a circle mm. because it the bigger outside circle is going to roll to the inside circle so that's what they're doing with these cars so they will on the back two tires they might have one that's pumped up slightly bigger than the other one and it's not a noticeable difference you wouldn't see it on the track but it is something that might help the car turn better the other side of that though like you said is if you have lower air pressure now the tire's a little flatter, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. and that means more of it is contacting the surface of yep. the road. So there's a trade-off between do I want to pump the tire up and have it you know, maybe turn a little better from that way, but that's going to build up the air pressure. As that gets heat in it, that air pressure gets higher because the temperature raises the air pressure, and then the next thing you know, you're right, it's put a lot of strain on the tire and it bursts right. or, or the sidewall is so, so weak because of the low yep. air pressure. Right. Um, it could, it could, you know, basically cause a defect with the tire on the, on the, on, there's so much. Yes. Right. This is what we're saying. This so is why it's so much more than just turning left. <laughs> so if you, it, 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 you, if so, you've been still listening to this whole podcast, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to say the phrase. Oh, just turn left. Yeah. Well, that's why we, all, that's it, why we love it. Cause, cause LeBron James just shoots a ball in a hole. And if you, and, and to speak on the stagger thing a little bit more, if you want to see, real stagger in a car you can certainly see it in indycar but 
watch a sprint car race, dirt sprint cars with the big wings on them. You can actually see, they literally have two different sizes of tire. Like the, the right rear tire on a sprint car is bigger than the left rear. It's up higher. It, you can see it when you look at the car. So that brings us to another point with uh, pit stops. Yeah. Because you will sometimes, we just talked about how the right rear is important on cars when you're talking about a circle because they, they help turn the car. The right front is important because the load of the weight of the car often is is pushing on that right front part of the car and that can wear that tire out. So that is why at some tracks you will see teams come in and get two tires. But what two tires do they always get? It's the right side tire. The reason is because if it's an only track where you're turning only left, the opposite side of that car is where all the pressure is and where all the the weight is going to tire and the tire wear is so they will come in sometimes and change right sides only because that's going to help them not have to stay as long in the pits and those left side tires may not be nearly as worn out as the right side ones so if they can only change two they're going to change the right side let's talk about how pit stops work and then we'll we'll talk about some other aspects of like stages and things like that but pit stops in general uh, it's a quick way for teams to get new tires, fuel. Occasionally, they can fix the car. There are adjustments they can make on the car, which we spent a long time talking about stagger and all that. But air pressure is something you can adjust. Where before they come in, the guy might, you know, the driver might say, it's, I'm, "I'm I'm not turning well. I need the car to turn better." So then the pick the the crew chief might say, "Put a pound of air in the in the right rear." So that means the guy who's in charge of tires for the team, he'll real quickly go get a tire they're going to put on the right rear. He will put a pound of air pressure in it with a little air pump, and then he'll give it to the tire changer who's a who's waiting on the wall for this guy to come out and pull into the pits. That's how quickly they'll do it. They'll, yeah. they'll change it on the fly, and then they run out. You've seen them run around with their air guns. These air guns are developed specially for NASCAR uh, how much did Joe Gibbs used to spend on air guns? What's the, it's, they, it's rumored they developed one. For, they, they developed one that was over a million dollars a gun. <laughs> um, they spent over a million dollars developing this gun. They call them guns. They, they're just air, air they're air wrenches. Yeah. So all the Joe Gibbs cars, the 20, the 19, the 11, the 18, they were all shooting off quicker than anybody else. And it's like, well, Joe Gibbs up front again. And that little advantage that they had, the, the, those have been, Something NASCAR tried to rein in the cost, and they are trying to get that all under control. They, uh, they develop their own, like basically they issue the air guns down. NASCAR, yeah, NASCAR has a makes issues and them. says no one can get an advantage that way. It's to try to keep the cost down, so you don't have people like Joe Gibbs spending a million dollars on R and D, and all the other teams are like, well, we don't have a million dollars to spend on that. We have to spend that on our race cars. It was like NASCAR's version of Deflate Gate, pretty much, because you want the yeah, footballs to they, all be. They want everybody up the to have pressure. the same. Yeah, they want yeah. everyone to have the same advantage there. So that's what's going on with the tires. You obviously have the jack man who's jacking the car up because you can't change the tires if the weight of the car is on them. So he has to run around. Those jacks are specially developed too. It's like one or two pumps to lift an entire car up. It's a lot different than what you have with probably the jack that's in your garage, if you even have a jack in your garage. Then you have the gas man, the same thing. Those those fuel tanks that they are pumping the gas in. Think about that. They fill up an entire car's gas tank. And what was the pit stop times? Like 14, 12 seconds, yeah. 11 seconds. Yeah. So they the whole time that car's there, they're sticking that thing in to fill it up. And I believe they still change, right? They have to use yep. two gas cans to fill up the whole tank. So that's how much fuel goes into these cars. And the point is... And those are heavy. Very yeah, heavy. Yeah, they weigh like 80 or 90 pounds, and if not more. And imagine, and, so you, 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 those guys can actually stand 
they don't have to hop over the wall because that would be kind of insane to have to hop. With yeah, they all can that stand. They're there standing with their heels pretty much to the wall, and the car comes to a stop. Then they come out. They the car is jacked up on the right side, so the fuel is almost wanting to come out. <laughs> yeah, so, so they, they have, have to, to angle, angle it in yeah. there, and then they finally jack at the left side. But the in between, while the guys are running around, another. They get handed another. They rip the one out and they yeah. get handed another full tank and they shove that in there. And this is all happening again in like 12 to 13 seconds. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not an easy job. It is something that's very dangerous. You'll see those guys. They often wear some kind of fire protection because, you know, that fuel can leak out. There's yeah. sparks and heat and everything that can ignite it. And yeah, that can be dangerous. So that's and a very. Sometimes they get stuck because because you'll see them like they're almost the last guy that's touching the car mm-hmm. because They'll say the, the a lot of times the crew chief will say when the jack drops when or I'll give you a voice command go 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 the 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 gas man's job is to keep that in there as long as possible especially like on green flag get runs, every ounce of fuel get every ounce of fuel in there and then what they'll do is they'll weigh it before they they put it in the car weigh it after and they can and then, tell how much fuel and got they, into the car that, and that's how you calculate the fuel mileage so sometimes if a and you'll see a guy with this shaking his head yes. As he's, as he's, I don't need to shake my head. Yes. Cause then I sound like this <laughs> and I'm all over the place. Um, but he'll shake his head. Yes. Meaning we're at the point where it's reached what it's supposed to reach. I'm good to go. I'm going to put in the extra fuel that's in here, but we've got the, the gallons we need in the car. Yeah, we got it. He's in shaking there. his head. So the crew chief can yell, go, 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 go. They got it all in and it's good. And, and the gas tank's not, and the gas tank's, not, gas tank's not attached to the car. <laughs> that is always a good thing. Basically, if you drag anything out of the, out of the car, out of the pit box, equipment or personnel it's which has penalty. sadly happened yeah that has too yeah. <laughs> so you, you 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 pull out a gas man just running down the pit box trying to pull the thing out and sometimes yeah, holds on to it hoping he can pull it out and then yeah, yeah. Ends up. so uh yeah. one last thing on pit crews for people who are not aware uh there are guys on pit crews and and a gal now there's a there's at least one oh, female multiple. tire changer yeah, and multiple. maybe there's multiple now um but a lot of the people you see on pit road over the wall that are actually doing those changes they are former athletes a lot of them former college athletes some professional athletes so uh they they actually go nascar teams go to college campuses and will look and recruit uh current like college athletes and say hey you know if it doesn't work out to play in the nfl let's say or play major league baseball if you're looking for a career after this maybe come out to a tryout here and we'll, we'll show you the ropes see if you like it you know and but it's a very physical, demanding job that they they are elite athletes. They train. They get paid they have, over six figures. A lot, like some the, of the them, higher yes. end ones. Yeah. They get paid over six figures to do this. I mean, it's it's a it's a career for yeah. people, and and you can make some good money doing it. So, some of the pit crew members have other jobs where they might work at the shop throughout the week as a fabricator, someone who helps build the car. Uh, they might have other things that they do as responsibilities. Most, not most, some, there are plenty of people on pit crews who that is their, they go, they work out all day, they train, they practice all day, and then they go home and they do it again and again and again until Sunday or Saturday and Friday when they're there at the track too. But then they will go and, you know, do that as their job. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a real job. It's not something you do part time. It's a real dedicated profession. So yeah, pit crews, it's dangerous work. It is tough work. And those, those guys and gals are some of the best you're ever going to see. So, and and if you ever want to laugh, go watch old pit stops. The Wood Brothers are the ones that, (laughs) that, that institute the pit stops, like the, 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 yeah, sorry, the, uh, the choreograph of the pit crew Mm -hmm. movement around a car. One guy would twist the, the, there used to be caps on the gas 
tank. So yeah. he'd twist the cap, do a little spin move like you would in Madden, and go around and grab this you know tire and roll it. Like they did a they, they choreographed chore- it. They, yeah. they choreographed the movements, yeah. and they do that now. And They're- they do it, and they do it now for sure. But I remember Junior Johnson. Uh, taking a jack he was the car owner and a crew chief he kind of did it all and he would jack up the car and he would take a jack like you would see at a shot a heavy jack and swing it and one time he even like like knocked and he and, and clicked the heels of an official who fell right in front of the car because <laughs> he would just because you're, you're you're close on these pit road quarters so he basically his thing was like get out of my way because we're trying to do this fast. Yeah. And he would just whip this jack around and hit whoever was in his way. And yeah. uh, he's a NASCAR Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. Quite, yeah. quite the funny guy. But um, but yeah, get a chance to look at those old pit stops and then watch what you see on Saturdays and Sundays. And you'll be amazed at the evolution of the sport has taken place. It's, it's good to know here because with pit stops, we should bring this part up too. They don't know how much gas is in these cars, how much fuel gets into the cars, unless they do that weighing thing you talked about because they don't have a fuel gauge. So it's not like they can look down and say, oh man, we're on E. Nope, they, no. don't, get, they don't have that. Yeah. They don't have a speedometer in these cars. And on pit road, there is a speed limit. It is usually between 45 and 65 miles an hour, which you think about a speed limit, it's like highway speeds that these guys, when you see it on TV, it doesn't do it justice. These cars are often coming in and they are riding at 65, 55 miles an hour. And then about, you know, a hundred feet away from where they need to stop, then they let off the gas and start to brake. But they really just kind of roll into the pits and then slam the brakes as they're coming in, trying not to skid the tires always. But they have to hit a mark in that pit box going from a freeway speed down to zero in about 100, 150 feet. And they have to do that while turning in. Yeah. And while there are other cars there sometimes. Yeah, and so, they can't drive through 15 pit stops to, like... You can't it, drive straight you, in. Yeah, you, it's not like an exit ramp. If you saw, like, a parallel parking spot on yes. the street, take two parallel parking spots. I'm yes. not saying it's one. Take two car lengths of a parallel parking spot. And then imagine going about 55 down that road and then trying to fit your car right into that from 55 because it's a race. While I mean, there's other cars. While there's other cars not, there. If you're not on the front... <laughs> front uh, stall or it's an, and not hitting anybody that's right. running around your car while they're doing it and then getting out of that as well without like again parallel parking you can't like back up you just gotta it's a race you're trying to get off as quickly and then get right up to 55 miles an hour so you don't lose any time on pit road to some of the other drivers they're all doing this they do have like they can see the rpms in their car so a lot of times these cars are set up with you know put it in first gear or second gear and then get your RPMs up to 3,500 or whatever it is. They'll set it different for each car, but the drivers will have lights on the car that are on the dashboard that literally tell them like, okay, these, you're, you're in the green, you're too slow. Yellow means you're pushing it. One red means you're right on like the limit of being over the speed limit. And so you'll hear the spotters say like, all right, second gear, one red. Like they're telling these guys, Get Second into the gear, gear you need 5, to, RPM and then you like need that. to be right at this RPM, and you need to make that little red light blink so that it's almost to two red lights, but it's not quite, and NASCAR monitors that, and if you go too fast on pit road, you can do all that work. Get in, your tire changers yeah. are fast, your gas man's good, your jack man gets it all up and puts it down, and then you get out first, and then NASCAR will get on that radio and say, 48 car, too fast on pit road, and then that means that 48 car has to come back down pit road and just either drive through penalty. Sometimes it's a stop and go penalty where they actually have to pull in and stop. But usually it's just you drive through. Now you've lost all that track position. So they will penalize you for going too fast. So it is a 
Yeah. That's why you never will see commercial breaks during pit stops. Right. When it's a caution flag, you will, they, they will take a commercial break right after the caution flag and then come back for the pit, come back to get the pit stop in. Cause they know that's the part everyone's watching. Cause a lot can change on a pit. Yeah. And I'll do this in 30 seconds, but the way they get you on pit road and, and catch you, they have zones. So every week you'll see guys like Bob Pockris or some of these NASCAR journalists drop out these, uh, you know, these maps of pit road. And so you want to be able to, if you're stuck in your zone, say you're the third zone, you can go kind of really fast in the, in the rest of that zone. Cause you stop for 13 seconds, but you have, what you have to do is you have to slow down before you get to the next zone. Cause it'll say too fast exiting pit road zone four, you know, yeah. basically that's where the catch is. So you have to be under pit road speed for the average of that entire time you're passing through those zones. So that's why you'll see guys that will be, pulled where maybe the you know obviously the best best pit stop selection or pit stall selection is the one at the end of pit road because you can just gun it yeah and that's and, that's the easiest yeah. one and that's because you won't you, that's the you preferred won't get spot stalled. yeah you won't get you won't get called out for that the other flags you might see on a race other than a yellow and a green uh you will see sometimes a black flag if someone has been penalized that is a way to signal to them They'll wave it right at that car as they come by, and NASCAR will tell them on the radio, but they'll say, hey, you committed a penalty and you haven't come in yet. You have three laps to do that. If you if you don't come in in three laps from a black flag, they'll actually stop scoring you, so you can keep running, but you'll just finish dead last. Mm-hmm. So it's a big penalty. You don't see black flags too often, but they do occasionally happen. Um, you have a blue and a blue flag with a yellow line. That is more of something you'll see typically on road courses, and road racing has that a lot. But even on oval, you'll see it. That is a signal to the driver that is in a slow car. There is a faster car approaching you. Get out of the way. Yeah. They're basically saying, "Don't race this," or you know, race them, whatever. But you're ten miles slower, ten miles an hour slower than this guy. He's going to blow by you. Don't be unsafe and don't cause a wreck. Right. Um, and what that what they'll do too is they'll hold it by the flag stick instead of waving it like a green. Or yeah, they hold flag, it like a banner. They, they will hold it at the end of the flag like a banner and they'll basically kind of put it over the flag. As the car passes underneath them, they'll drop it. And they and show it right it, to the driver. Show it right to the driver and pull it up almost like a uh, bullfighter would with a yeah, red cape. Yeah, like an Olay. Yeah, so that way they don't display it other than just for that car. Yeah, uh, and it's, can, it's and to can help. Use another one. And so flags can actually inform drivers. Clearly a caution flag informs like, hey, just take your foot off the gas. Don't, don't keep going. You don't want to get into a wreck here. But that's what a, a blue with a yellow stripe also yeah. does. Red flag is uh, means the race is stopped for some reason. Maybe a wreck was so bad they need more medical equipment out there, or the track has just got debris all over it. They don't want the cars to drive through that, so they will stop the car, and that means the cars will just stop on the track. So they usually stop them on like say the back stretch if there's a wreck in turn four, let's say. So that's you'll see a red flag from time to time. The other flag you might see that's weird is a green and white checkered flag. NASCAR instituted this thing called a stage back in 2017. The idea was to divide the race up and create a few more built-in caution flags that allow guys to make changes to their car, bunch up the field, all that stuff. Most races will have three stages, uh, the, and you get points for winning a stage. So the top 10 drivers get a point or a certain number of points for that. Uh, first place gets 10, and then on down, you know, second place gets nine, etc. They have two stages. The third stage is the end of the race. So and, the, and typically the longest one. Yeah. So the, so if it was like 200 laps, a stage might look like 
60 laps, 60 laps, 80 laps. You know, that that, that, that might be how they do it. Or, or sometimes they'll do it to mess with, like, if the cars go 40 laps before they need to get a pit stop, they may try to mess with that a little bit. So it's like, all right, well, you stopped at lap 40. Now lap 60 is coming up. You're going to get a caution. Do you come in and get new tires and more fuel, or do you stay out and get the track position? So they, they try the to points. give it a little more strategy. Yes, yeah. and the points. That's a whole bit of strategy that is uh, very interesting, but stage racing is something that's newer, so a lot of fans aren't as familiar with it, and that's okay. I probably should mention, too, the points, uh, those are calculated, and that's how the season champion is crowned. Yes. During the race, too, another thing you might hear is a term called the draft. That is where the cars will travel through the air. The aerodynamics punches a hole in the air, so if you think of the air as like you know a, a, an actual medium or a surface that you're going through, it punches a hole in it, and then the car behind that car has less resistance. If you think of, this is kind of dumb, but if you think of like Jello, <laughs> if you try to <laughs> shove like a little matchbox car through Jello, the first one you shove all the way through is going to be slower than the second or third one you shove through because there's already been a hole punched through it. So the closer you can get in the Jello to the first car going through, the faster that second car can go. And that's a very crude example. It's not exactly how it and works. And you will have a lot of food analogies on this podcast oh, just yes. to let you know. <laughs> we like we, food. We do like food. So that's basically what the draft is. Cars will try to follow a car. This happens mostly on super speedways like Daytona and Talladega, less so on road courses and short tracks. Um, but, you know, there's always a little bit of extra help that you can get from that. The cars can be either loose or tight. So... Loose like means the back end of the car wants to spin around like you're 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 turning almost too well to the left mm. tight is the opposite of that where you go to turn into the turn and the right front of your car wants to keep going out towards the wall and not turning in now it's not as dramatic as like just shooting up straight into the wall but guys will say like you know I really have to slow down before the car will make the turn and I feel like I'm going to actually not sail off into the wall so every time they're slowing down like that, better cars that are turning better can go faster into the corner. They will say they can drive it deeper into the corner. That just means they're able to carry more speed into the corner before they have to brake or before they have to lift. If you have a tight race car, you can't do that. If you have a loose race car, you also can't like hit the gas too early coming off the corner and the guy whose car is tightened up, he might be able to actually get on the gas quicker and then pass you coming out of the corner. So they want the cars to basically be you balance. want the, balance you want is the it to better be, word. Balance yeah. is what you want, but you want it to be a little looser going into the corner so it turns and then a little tighter coming out so you can get on the gas quicker and not just spin your car around. So yeah. you want to have grip at the end. At the yes, end at the, the end of the yeah. thing. So um, you'll hear the end of the thing. That's a very good descriptor. <laughs> NASCAR 101, Stagger University. Yeah, the folks. thing at the end of the thing. Um, you'll hear about the line <laughs> or the groove on the track. Uh, the preferred line, what that typically means is... Um, on a racetrack, if you think about how wide the track can be, shortest way around is the bottom, right? The inside of the turn is technically shorter than if you were to drive all the way around the same track on the outside near the wall. However, as we just talked about with turning, it's sometimes easier to carry more speed into a turn if you're on the outside of the track versus closer to the wall, as opposed to down on the inside. You have to slow down more to get down there. So what eventually will happen during a race is that someone the fast cars will figure out this is the best way to get around the track or you know like we we kind of turn in here this is where the most grip is and you will see literally a line of rubber kind of form especially in the turns where the cars because the the cars are laying down rubber from their tires as they go through that rubber will eventually kind of darken up and you can see 
oh, okay, this is where everyone, this is kind of the preferred way to go. This is the preferred quickest way around the track. Um, what a lot of NASCAR fans love to see is what they call a multiple groove surface where the bottom of the track is fast, but you have to kind of drive it a little differently, but you can also go up to the top of the track and drive and it will still be fast. So then you can have two cars side by side doing different things and they come off the turn and they're both equal. That's, mm. that's like the dream. And then if you can get three grooves or even more, so having a preferred line is uh, basically the quickest way around the track. But what's good is when the track really doesn't have a preferred line. It's where you can kind of stick it anywhere and the cars are fast. So tracks like Michigan, tracks like Kansas, uh, those are ones that have multi-groove. Homestead has a multi-groove. So you'll see a guy, just like you would on a track at a high school, uh, if, you, if you start on the inside, you have a shorter path around yeah. the track. But on the outside, in a NASCAR, you sometimes can get more speed off the corner. So you'll be even, and then all of a sudden on the outside, as the, as the guy on the inside tries to drift up the track, this guy on the outside is going to blow by him. Mm -hmm. And then the guy dives into turn three, guy on the inside has a much better, better momentum, comes up and drifts up and then maybe he can slide job get him in there the guy tries to cross him go back lower yeah so there's all this back and forth and that's like a that's like a battle royale a duel in nascar mm -hmm. um and that's why if you get into this with that understanding of like wow he's wheeling it or she's wheeling it there you you get the understanding like man this is a lot of fun and they're competing to win you yeah. know and, yeah. and that's something that I think it, the whole purpose of this podcast, at least in my mind, is to make sure that when someone says, well, they just go, they just turn left. Or if you're you get got invited to w listen to this podcast, uh, Chris Massey, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you're like, oh, they just turn left, it's just NASCAR. Well, this gives you a little understanding of what they do and why they do it. And it's a way more of an intricate process than just turning left. Yeah. All right. So th the race has been going on and there's you know, four laps to go and then boom, it's a big wreck. What do you do? Because NASCAR does not want the race. Cause if there's a big wreck, they're going to throw a caution flag. So the cars with four laps and there's a huge wreck. They're just, if they just ran the caution laps, the race would be over and you can't pass under the caution flag. So then that guy's just the winner. And that's how they used to do it. But NASCAR has recently come up with uh, well, not that recently, but a while ago, they came up with overtime. And what that is, is that if the race is less than, uh, you know, if it's not the final lap of the race, what they will do is say, all right, if it's four laps to go and we're going to need five laps to clean this up, they will go to overtime. And overtime means that uh, once they throw the green flag, there's two laps. So the first lap, uh, they'll come around. If nobody wrecks or anything and everything's clear, they will get the white flag. The white flag signifies there's one lap to go. If the white flag waves, then, and the, and the leader crosses the finish line and takes the white flag, that means if a wreck happens behind him right after that, the, the race is over, and that's the guy who won. They will not keep doing it. But if on that first lap under the overtime rule, if a wreck happens on that first lap before they take the white flag, they will, they will stop the race again. They will let everyone come into the pits they want to. They will bunch them all up, and they will do a second overtime or a third overtime until they get hopefully a green flag ending or as close to that as they can get. So that is what NASCAR overtime is. It's a little weird, but the idea is to try to ensure that a race does not end under a caution flag where no one can pass. They want it to end with a checkered flag waving and 
cars going as fast as they can to try to win the race. So that's your overtime situation for the most part. Um, these are a couple other questions. These are actually taken right from Bernard Pollard's Twitter, uh, who was asking some of these questions. So we'll run through these very quickly. This might be a stupid question. I've never been in a race car or race truck. So here it goes. Do drivers have their foot on a gas pedal the whole race or is there some type of cruise control? Uh, no, there is no cruise control. If they're at a racetrack where they run wide open for 500 miles and barely lift and barely brake, their <laughs> foot is just hammered down the whole day. Uh, and they actually, guys wear uh, special protective shoes because they can get blisters from the heat of the engine and from the track uh, because their foot is just in one position the whole time. It doesn't really move. So uh, guys will guys will definitely wear those um, on, the, on their heels. So they don't, yeah, they don't yeah, get a giant blister. So here's another question. He said, uh, wait a minute. Am I seeing fire inside the tire? If it is, that is crazy. Um, so when you're watching a short track race, you can see, especially at night, you can see the brakes get so hot they actually glow red because of how much heat they're generating. I think I've heard it's somewhere up north of like 1,800 degrees, the brakes, the yeah. discs can get during a race like at Bristol or Martinsville where they, they use the brakes all the time. So you can see that. And what that does lead to sometimes is a car will come pulling into the pits and they have, they have brake ducts that are big air hoses that suck in the air from the speed of the car going 100 plus miles an hour at a short track and that will help keep the brakes from just completely disintegrating but it's still they're still very hot but when they come into pit road they're not getting as much of that air cooling the brakes the brakes can get so hot they can actually ignite the brake dust and some of the other components and if you're not careful your car can catch on fire and sometimes you will see tire changers pulling the tire off now air is getting to those brakes, but there's also dirt and debris hitting those brakes. They will incinerate on the brake, and then a little fire will spark as the guy's pulling the tire off and shoving another tire on. There's a fire behind where he's putting the tire on. That's part of the gig. They wear fireproof gloves <laughs> and fireproof gear. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, that's that's then, one of the crazy that, things you can see at a short track for yeah. sure. And then once that tire gets back up to, to speed, you have a situation where that tires, you know, that, that tire is now cooling off or the brakes are cooling off because the air's going through it. And even on short tracks where aerodynamics is not the most important thing, if you get into a little bit of an accident, they're quick to do, use the sawzall to cut off a piece of that fender. Yep. And let, especially on the right side, the right front, if you can get air to that brake, Oh, yeah, yeah I think Martin, off. Martin Truex had that happen in Martinsville recently. He did. And uh, that, I mean, that's something that, you know, gives you an advantage. I mean, you think other times, and this is not related to that specifically, but uh, one time the, uh, the spoiler on Michael Waltrip's truck, the last few uh, uh, laps of a Daytona race, flattened out. Imagine that being an airplane wing. Instead of the resistance holding you back, it just something broke on it, broke on it, <laughs> and it flattened out. And it, he basically flew past the field. Yeah, and was able to win, the, win less, the truck race. He had less downforce, less drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less or, drag. or yeah, less drag, not less yeah. downforce. So, that's so sometimes too. you know that's the ultimate making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, mm -hmm. If you if, it, sometimes uh, if it's under the right. right circumstances, you can actually get an advantage. And uh, it, it's funny how that happens. Uh, finally, question that he had was: so the number ninety eight car is down. Can he go back out? to the race after the car is fixed. Now, I don't remember this exact situation. It depends on exactly what type of repair it is. But if a car, let's say, has a bunch of external body damage, uh, depending on how bad the damage is, yes, you can you can get that repaired and possibly they can put tape on it and, and possibly get you back out there as long as the structural underneath parts of the car are not wrecked. So 
you and, see a and car a, and there's a clock too that you have to uh fight yes. against too so yes there is before you'd have a guy who would be uh, you know in the garage for 150 laps but because there's attrition that happens in the race engines blow up guys wreck out if there's a chance he can make one or two spots up that could be the they difference. They come between. back out and be they 150 come, laps And down. they don't have a hood on. They don't have fenders. The <laughs> engine's totally exposed. And they're running. They have to make a minimum speed. Every track has a minimum speed. Yeah. It's usually like a lap time. Yeah, it's a it's lap within time. A, it's like, so if the leaders are running 31 second laps, you can't run more than a 37 second lap, right. let's say. So if they time you for three or four laps and you can't get under 37 seconds, they'll radio and say, you're not maintaining minimum speed. You have to come back in. One thing to keep in mind with Rex, when you see that happen and a car goes in and then comes back out later and it's like, how did he stay out? What happened? The underneath part of the car, the chassis itself, that's the part that truly matters. Hmm. The aerodynamics matter at a place like Daytona, Talladega, the body work matters more at those places. But generally speaking, they can even fix cars there, smooth them out as best they can and get them back out on the track to just keep making laps and keep accruing points. But if the underneath part of the car is damaged if the engine clearly like if you smash in the front of the car the radiator sits there if you smash your radiator your day's done in the back of the car if you crush in like you know the, the fuel cell and, and you just you know then then your day's done there's certain aspects of wrecking where even if maybe you might see the wreck doesn't look that bad but they knock the suspension completely out of whack they can't repair that so if your car can't steer properly you can't go out so you might see a car that looks like it's torn to shreds, but it's all surface damage and they'll get back out. You might see a car that hits the wall and just kind of hits it really hard. And you think, well, that car doesn't look too bad. They can maybe pull the fenders out, but underneath something really got damaged and they'll say, nope, we're done. And they'll yeah. take it behind the wall and that's it. And then they load it up on those trucks. And once the race is over and the winner has crowned, they load up on the truck too. And everyone gets out of Dodge and they do it all again. And then you get to see next week. Well, and then when when everyone's back at the track, you get to see Jeff Gluck's Twitter, where he has a picture of a quiet track. Oh yeah, and it's it's, uh, it's the closest thing to Augusta that we have. Oh yeah, where <laughs> it's usually like a sunset and it's beautiful. It's and you uh, see the like the debris from from the tires, you know, the marbles on the track, all that stuff where the winner did a burnout. And uh, yeah, so the quiet tracks are kind of a cool thing. Yeah, definitely is. All right. Uh, that has been Stagger University NASCAR 101. That was part two. If you have any questions, of course, hit us up at Stagger Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up on Facebook, Stagger Nation. Search that and ask to join and we will bring you into the group. Thank you again for checking us out. And of course, subscribe to Stagger on Apple Podcast, on Spotify. You can follow us there. You can find us on all your major podcast apps, but keep on listening because we will keep informing you of all the racing action and uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation. Till next time, stay safe and of course, stay staggered. 